Don't you just love it when you can confidently say that someone has your back? Hi, Dave Lee here, and that's the feeling I have with UCARE. Anytime I call them up with a Medicare question, I know without a doubt that a real person will answer, and they will work through my issues no matter how long it takes, and they won't hang up until I completely understand what's going on. Their people and customer service are second to none, and it's why UCARE has people-powered health plans. Don't hesitate to reach out to UCARE for help. Learn more at UCARE.org slash Medicare. This paid endorsement brought to you by UCARE. Today, on my first concert. But when you heard Endless Love, did you reach over and grab her hand, thinking, okay, this may be a major move? Well, she she grabbed my hand, wow. you know, and because I, you know, I was I was playing it cool, right? <laughs> I was trying I was trying yeah. to, you know, not be presumptuous, you yeah. know. And and plus it's like endless love. And then if I grabbed her hand first and she was like, What the hell? Come on, endless love? Come on, man. We're 16. Give me a break. <laughs> Steve Cole joins us. And if you know jazz, you know Steve's name. Uh, Davide, you know it very well as well. And we're going to talk to him today about his first concert, not only one that he saw, but also the first one he may have performed. Uh, So we're going to go into the recess of his mind. And we want to thank you for joining us. Dave Lee here. Davide Rosso is our producer. Hello. It's great to have you with. It's all brought to you by the Minnesota Propane Association, by the Chanhassen Dinner Theaters. There's some great shows out there. I'll tell you about that in a little while. Starbank.net. By UCARE. And, of course, we're broadcasting from the AquariusHomeServices.com studio. So thanks for joining us. Steve, thanks for coming in. It's really great to meet you. I appreciate that. Great to meet you, too. Well, okay, as a performer, you've done a lot of concerts. You're still performing. However, yes. as a spectator, what was the first concert that you remember? <laughs> well, I, it would have to be, I mean, I don't know if this counts, but my dad, my dad was a musician, so I think that the first concert I saw was my dad. Um, my mom used to bring us uh, to where my dad was performing <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't call it a concert. It was, uh, you know, he was a house band at a at a little restaurant in uh, Chicago, and uh, where you were, where you're from, where I'm from, yeah. And uh, and and my mom used to take my brother and me to to hang out, and uh, they were really nice to us. All I remember was seeing my dad play, and them giving me like these licorice candies, which were really <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's pretty much. You know, actually, I probably remember the licorice candy more than I remember my dad playing. <laughs> But uh, the, I, I think the, the first like legit concert that I saw had to be, um, and this is just what I can remember right now, but I, I dated a girl in high school, uh, early in high school, who was a huge Lionel Richie fan. Mm. And, and I remember this vividly because I, was ju- I had just gotten my driver's license. And, and he was playing at what was called the Rosemont Horizon, which was like a, a, a big kind of, you know, stadium. And I was freaked out because, like, I had a drive on the expressway and then I had a park. And, you <laughs> in know, Chicago. You know, in yeah, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, and it yeah. was, I just got my license. And then, of course, you know, I've got somebody in the passenger seat who's, you know, I'm trying not to look like a complete idiot in front of. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and so, you know, it was very, very, very high anxiety, you know, uh, but we got there, we parked, it was, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And it was like the first like arena concert that I've ever seen. And I just remember, uh, 
you know, kind of that whole moment where the lights kind of go down and then the, you know, the stage lights up and then the music starts and then, you know, the band started playing. Uh, <laughs> I think that the first, <laughs> the first song he started with was uh, Endless Love. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, you know it was really cool. I mean, it wouldn't. It, it it was probably not exactly what I was into at that point in time. But when you heard "Endless Love," did you reach over and grab her hand, thinking, "Okay, this may be a major move." Well, she she grabbed my hand, wow. you know, and because I you know I was I was playing it cool, right? <laughs> I was trying I was trying yeah. to you know not be presumptuous, sure. you know, and and plus it's like endless love, and then if I grabbed her hand first, and she was like, "What the hell? Come on, <laughs> endless love? Come on, man, we're sixteen. Give me a break." <laughs> So, yeah, you know, but she grabbed my hand and I was like, give me a break. We're 60. No, I didn't say that. I was, yeah. I was, I was down with it. So yeah, it was, no yeah, it was, it was that, cool. Yeah. And it was a great show. I mean, I mean, come on, Lionel Richie's a freaking icon, you know, and, and it was, it was fabulous. And the band was amazing. And, and, uh, now did you know, was that, you knew she liked him. So is that why you went? You, yeah. You she saw. was like, you know, I really want to see Lionel Richie. And I'm like, okay. A pretty strong hint. Yeah. You know, that, well, yeah, it was, it was a pretty <laughs> unambiguous hint. It's like a, like a, like a hint with a fist. <laughs> and so like I hooked up tickets, you know, my, my parents like uh, kind of helped me out there and, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. You know, all, all's well that ends well. Yeah, yeah. How long did that relationship last? Uh, you know, a couple of days after that. <laughs> you know, I think she was just using me for my driving skills. <laughs> yeah, uh, that had to be impressive. First time with a license. I know, man. man. I, I, my first license, I drove on a county road with no traffic, and I was nervous. I can't imagine going through Chicago. It was crazy. You know, the first, actually, the first time I took the car by myself, which is completely off topic, I got lost. I got lost in my known neighborhood. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, there's a one-way street. What do I do? Then I have to go here. I don't know what that is. I've never been here. It was weird. Anyway, that's why I was so nervous about it. First concerts are memorable, to say the least. Now, when we come back, I want to ask you about the first one you performed at. Okay. And you've done a lot of them with a lot of people, as a matter of fact. Uh, the show, it was Steve Cole today on My First Concert, is brought to you by Star Bank. That's our bank here at talknorth.com. Easy to talk about them. Uh, so we practice what we preach. If you're hoping to expand your business, been thinking about that, or do some repairs at home uh, this year, Star Bank, family-owned bank, Minnesota Bank, ten locations in the Met or in Minnesota, one uh, right here in the Twin Cities are convenient. They do it kind of the way banking probably should be. They answer their phone. That's the first thing that catches you off guard. You call Star Bank and you're waiting for that queue, and all of a sudden somebody's there, to, and you realize that that's a real person. They like to do it that way. You walk in, you get to know them. They're still family-run, uh, and they have expanded through these years, but I don't know what the loan is that you're thinking about is. They can do that without a lot of red tape, by the way. They can get uh, the monkey business out of the way and get right to it. They're just outstanding at what they do. I guess the bottom line is they're really good people. They have a great product. They've been in business a long time, so I don't know if you're thinking home mortgage or equity line of credit or if you're thinking a business loan or whatever it is. They handle it all. Uh, so I'd call your local star bank and be ready because they'll answer the phone. There's a branch close to you. Stop in at your convenience. Even better, they'll get to know you. You'll know them. You'll feel more comfortable than ever. Loans are subject to a loan application and approval. Starbank.net. You want to do it on your phone? No problem. You can do all of that as well because they have all the high-tech part of it that you like to. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Steve Cole, nice enough to take time to join us here on the show this 
today. Steve, you, the first concert you performed at. Now, you've been playing a lot. You started the clarinet. Am I right on that? I started on the clarinet. That lasted about five minutes. Uh <laughs> You know, it, it, because you know, back then, you know, the, see now, now, like, like I, I'm, I'm a, I, I love the clarinet. I think it's just beautiful. Back then, it like didn't seem cool enough because, like, yeah. my friends were playing trumpet. You know, trumpet's cool, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, I, you know, the lucky kids were like, you know, playing guitar, and <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm not in that league. You know, and so I, I, I had to make a move. So I played the clarinet for a minute, and then I, I, I switched to saxophone because that was really, you know, my, my dad played both, but, you know, I, I was always digging the, the saxophone. So yeah, didn't take long for that little hop, skip, and a jump. Pretty good decision. In yeah, I'm thinking, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or not, who knows? <laughs> so your first concert. Well, you know, I, I think I probably, you know, what comes to mind immediately, I mean, obviously before... Uh, you know, I, I'd started doing this professionally. I, I had a lot of concerts in high school and college and blah, blah, blah. But I think that the first concert that meant something to me and that I remember for a number of reasons is, uh, in 1998, um, when I was seven, I got, yeah, uh, <laughs> 27 37 no um so i I got signed to atlantic records and uh my first album was coming out it was called stay a while and um you know back then this is like you know pre-napster apocalypse right so music business is on its way to its best year on record and I'm with a major label and it was just like, holy crap, I've made it. This is great. You know, there are people who do stuff, you know, I don't have to do everything. And, uh, one of the things that they did to, you know, kind of start to promote the record was get me a really, really great gig in New York city. I don't know if we remember back in the day, there was a thing called the Goodwill games mm-hmm. and it happened in, in, in New York all around and, and kind of the home base of it was in battery park city. And, Part of that whole extravaganza of the Goodwill Games was they had music stages and, and a, like big production. And, you know, I hadn't, it's weird. I'd played a lot of shows with other artists, um, but I was always a sideman, you know. I, I didn't have to carry the day, you know what I mean? And I frankly didn't have a whole lot of experience being the artist um and especially right before that gig because it was really my first gig as a recording artist with a record coming out on a major label and obviously i had you know some anxiety about that but you know got a band together in chicago uh rehearsed you know constantly so we were prepared we knew it was a big deal and uh you know, get to New York and, you know, it's like the people who were appearing that day, like Trisha Yearwood was on the bill that day. Oh oh my. You know, it was, it was no joke. Right. So, you know, I remember Kirk Whalem was there as well. Who's incredible saxophone player. He was with Whitney Houston at the time and doing his own, you know, thing for a long time. Wonderful, you know, incredible saxophonist musician. So a little intimidated there, like who the heck am I, you know? And, I just remember we went up there and I, I I was backstage and I was like, holy crap, this is happening. This is real. 
And I like, I was like, what do I do? <laughs> it's like that's because yeah. because the stage is like the size of a small town. <laughs> I'd never done that before. I mean, I had never seen or played anywhere you know as an artist at with that scale and there were jumbotrons on either side of the stage you know with camera operators on like cranes and stuff and you're gonna be the guy and i'm out there i'm just like well, i better do something you know <laughs> and i remember kind of getting out there and and feeling incredibly nervous and then feeling that kind of anxiety kind of wash away but i also at the same time I felt like I was really learning something very important as I was going through the show. And I was like, I need to figure out how to entertain people. I'm no longer just a saxophone player. I, I, I got a lot of real estate here and I got to do something with this. And I didn't then <laughs> like, trust me, it was like the music was great, but even my even my mom was like, you know, you should loosen up a little bit. <laughs> you just stayed in one place. It sounded great, but you know, you walk around a little bit, you know. And I'm like, I know, I know. As a matter of fact, I, the the the, <laughs> the record label sent me after that show to work with a performance coach. <laughs> Yeah, he needs a performance. Guys. Yeah, you know, and, and it was it was really interesting. And then and then as a, 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 in addition, I actually went and studied for a very short time at Second City in Chicago, oh, sure. just to try to uh, you know feel comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> but it was really interesting. It was just like holy crap, there is just so much I need to learn. You don't just step out on a stage like this and know what the heck you're doing. But as an audience member, you just expect it. Right, we just well, got we're yeah. Out there going, I mean, okay, you, well, you know, exactly. You, you you just expect that the person on stage is going to be larger than life, mm -hmm. and that they know what they're doing. And it was just very, very, very vividly clear to me during, before, during, and after that show that I was not. <laughs> <laughs> How to go with a performance coach? It were you offended at all if they sent one or not really no because i mean i was very very aware that i needed mm -hmm. some help and i was really i was really glad frankly that they weren't like okay <laughs> we're not gonna pick up your option have a nice <laughs> life maybe medical school uh and no they were they were really supportive and they're like hey you know what you know you're a new artist we're developing you this is back when uh, record labels you know developed artists and uh and they were really cool about it. And um, now going and talking to the, you know, working with a performance coach was hilarious. So this guy happened to be in Los Angeles and he had worked with lots of vocalists, a lot of pop vocalists. And in, in his house, I think he was in like, you know, some hills, Hollywood Hills or something. And I go, I, I get, I get to his house and park and, and, and we go downstairs and his downstairs is basically a stage with lighting and like four cameras set up. Hmm. And when when I went there, he's like, "Bring bring your band only tracks, so like your TV tracks, you know, yeah. the, all the all the music without you know minus saxophone, right?" And so he puts it on, and he puts me on the stage. I'm by myself with this person who I've never met before, <laughs> and he puts me on the stage. He starts playing my music. He's like, "All right, now play a show for me." Uh, uh. <laughs> And I, you know, I stood there, I started playing, I'm like, you know, kind of moving back and forth a little bit, you know, and he's like, uh-huh, 
uh-huh and he's like now i want you to i want you to you know act like a fool i want you to just go whatever you think over the top is i want you to go over the top of that and then over the top <laughs> of that to the point where you think you're putting on like a comedy skit like you're a, a caricature you know and i'm like hey man all right you know and you know still wasn't enough and finally i was just like okay you fool uh here it is pal all right you want you want to see cartoon steve there you go and he's like exactly right now i'm interested and it was funny because he played back the video and it didn't look as obnoxious and foolish as it felt interesting yeah and that was really that was really interesting for me to experience. It's just like my comfort zone was such a tiny little like pinhead mm-hmm. of 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 a of a space, you know. And where I needed to be was like way bigger than that. Had you done your second city thing yet? Prior? No, no. I I actually. Um, after that, after working with this, and you know, they, I think they only paid for two sessions because he was really expensive. Uh, <laughs> I actually, because then I, you know, I had more shows coming up, and I, you know, I really wanted to get better at it. Mm-hmm. So, and I knew that I had a lot of just, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I wasn't comfortable on stage. So what Second City did was it, it really, it really teaches you how to feel comfortable being a fool in front of people. I mean, they make you do things that are just ridiculous. You off know? the cuff stuff. Off the cuff stuff, improv stuff, yep. but also in public. Like they, I remember they made us walk walk around with a partner blindfolded, and you know our partner was supposed <laughs> to take us out to a crowded bar for a beer. You know, in the neighborhood because they're in Old Town and plenty of you know food and beverage places around there so yeah they're like all right well, we want to put this blindfold on and then your partner is gonna you you can't take it off you're, you're you have to keep it on and your partner's gonna walk you around the city and then you're gonna go and have a beer or whatever your beverage of choice at a at, at a crowded bar blindfolded with your with your partner and everyone's looking at you like what the hell is going on here <laughs> and it was like that was kind of the point you know it was, mm-hmm. it was you know kind of establishing trust but also you know knowing that you look ridiculous and 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 forcing you to be out in public looking ridiculous and becoming kind of acclimated to you know just not being you know not not trying your best you know not to be noticed but almost trying your best to be noticed yeah you know uh and not for anything good (laughs) (laughs) did they did the performance coach also talk to you about what to wear or did was that never an issue yeah no it was a it was a it was a conversation about you know just you know what, what you have to feel comfortable in what you wear but you also you know don't look like everybody else. I mean, that's not what people are paying to see. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 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 paying to hear your music. They're they're paying to see you perform, and they're and they they want a, a, a bit of an idea of like what your style is. You know, and it doesn't have to be crazy, but it has to be distinctive. Um, so you know, I didn't follow that advice for a while, and <laughs> until until some until my manager at the time was like, you know, we got to rethink your wardrobe. <laughs> oh. Like black pants and a black shirt. I I don't know if that's just. Maybe we need a splash of color. Yeah. You know? So yeah. He is a Steve Cole. He's with us here on my first concert. Dave and Davide with you, and it's all brought to you by our good friends over at, as I mentioned, the Minnesota Propane Association. And 
a question right now, I guess, as we go into any, really any season in, in uh, the year here in Minnesota, is are you prepared for power outages at your home or business? This is interesting what's happening over propane, but the Minnesota Propane Association wants you to know that installing a propane generator is going to ensure peace of mind when the power goes out because uh, the North American Electric Reliability Corporation has issued its highest alert ever. And so that uh, intrigues all of us, I think, if you read it or hear it or hear about it, as you're maybe now hearing about it for the first time. But the same propane that powers your generator can also power all the major appliances in your home with on-site stored energy, independent of the grid. Installing propane appliances instead of electric appliances in your home business, that's also going to reduce the size and the cost, by the way, of a generator as well. So you can imagine running all your gas appliances at one time versus picking and choosing which electric ones run during a power outage. And they happen around here. Now keep in mind, propane is reliable. It's affordable. It's safe. It's propane. There's a lot to learn on their website. It's the energy for everyone. And to find out more, and I think you'll be fascinated by what it can do and, and with our environment, conversations that we have all the time, it's even more timely. Find out more about generators and propane appliances and go to propane.com. Gosh, Steve, I, now entertaining that you have done and continue to do and have had number one hits. Uh, we're talking about the Atlantic uh, record, the first record you had number one hit on that, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, but it's all downhill from there. Well, but, but, <laughs> but, but, but as a youngster, you're, you're performing with the Chicago Symphony Orchestra at what age? Um, well, that was, um, it was a concerto competition that I entered when I was actually a senior in high school. So I was like 17. I actually got to perform with the orchestra when I was 18 because I was a finalist. Uh, and the three finalists uh, got to perform with the orchestra. And so it was really, uh, it was really a fascinating experience. Um, I got to stand in one place and wear a suit. So it was, it was I was totally in my comfort zone. You know, it was yeah. like, okay, I could do this. Yeah. You know, they're probably saying, don't do anything. They're like, don't move, out. stand right there. You know, it was perfect for me. But <laughs> I don't That's... know what happened, you know. <laughs> wow. But what a, what an experience. Were you nervous? You know, do you um, remember it well? I, I remember it very, very well. Um, and there was a kind of a funny story. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but um, I was nervous at uh, at the dress rehearsal, and the and the conductor um, for this concert. It wasn't George Schulte, the the, the music director of, of you know great fame and Grammys. It was uh, uh, it was the like principal assistant conductor, um, and uh, he he wasn't the nicest man in the world. And uh, I remember that you know. The piece I was playing, I was coming in on a kind of a weird point. I started the piece, but before the orchestra. So I played four notes and then the orchestra came in. And I'm looking to the conductor to give me, you know, a, 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 like I, I need a compass here. And he was kind of a, a flamboyant conductor. You know how, you know, very, very large uh, gestures, you know. And I missed the entrance. And he, of course, you know, read me the ride act. Second time, I guessed right. It wasn't it, like I, I didn't know what he was doing, but I guessed and, and we all started together. And the funny thing is on the way down in the elevator after rehearsal, the concert master uh, put his arm around me. And he said, listen, if you uh, if you're confused about the gesture that the conductor gives you, uh, don't worry about it. The orchestra is not going to start until they see my bow go down. 
it doesn't matter what he does. So if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know where you are, don't guess. Look at me. Give me the four notes. I'll bring the orchestra in because they never look at him. (laughs) (laughs) When he's conducting, they never look at him. They look at the tip of my bow. So right, you know, know, so, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, that, that, that's going to create some problems if I do that, but I got it in my back pocket. Anyway, date of the performance. (laughs) <laughs> conductor makes some weird i look at the concert master i go but up up bum his bow goes down the orchestra is off to the races and the conductor is confused <laughs> and then and then after the concert as we're walking off stage he's reading me the riot act and 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 the concert master is backstage uh you know afterwards he's still yelling like in the elevator he's a, and and the concert master's there and he's like i told him to do it wow so yeah that was uh i mean it was it was marvelous it was it was i'll I'll never forget the performance Uh, i think my 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 dad snuck in a a tape recorder i think i have a cassette tape of it somewhere yeah my dad like you know kind of like 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 the like the grateful dead you know running around and you know with with recording gear but my dad kind of a little bit down low on the symphonic you know side of (laughs) of deadheadery uh yeah 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 so yeah man that was uh it was a it was a thing you know Boy. yeah well a lot what of a, fun yeah what a start a little nerve-wracking i would think and then <laughs> and they have the guy mad at you oh god you know well yeah. you know that's not that's nothing new <laughs> the uh, steve cole is with us uh, you know um i've told this story before on, on some of these podcasts it just, you know uh, one time when i was a big buddy guy fan and and, and he was performing and a, a friend of mine new buddy so he said oh you got to come down uh, before the show i'll introduce you you can sit so a couple of us sat with buddy guy before the show until they came some guy came and said i uh, you, you guys are holding up the show buddy needs to perform oh my <laughs> <laughs> so uh, kev mo was the opening act at the time oh my god but you've played if i'm not mistaken steve you've played with buddy guy you've played with junior wells people like that yeah well i i've i've never performed live with buddy but we we performed together on junior's album that okay. he made it was called better off with the blues it was on telarc digital and, and, and another bizarre story um i was hired as part of a horn section on that on that record um my dear friend rico mcfarland was a uh a guitar player on that record and was you know working with uh and, you know, John Snyder was the producer of that record, kind of legendary uh, jazz and blues producer. Um, but we were the horn section, and there were no charts. We were just kind of making up parts. You know, it's very typical for, for that kind of thing. And, uh, <laughs> and the way I remember it is that uh, um, we're there, we're doing the horn parts, we're waiting for Junior to get there because... John is leaving, like his flight is that day. He's taking everything to New York. He's going to get it uh, mastered, uh, mixed and mastered, and he's leaving that night. And Junior's not there, Junior's not there, Junior's not there. He had to do one one or two little things, uh, little solos. Maybe he was fixing something, but anyway, he doesn't show up. And uh, so John looks at me, who he doesn't know my name. He's like, saxophone player. Play. <laughs> I'm like, present? You know, he's like, can you play a solo here? And I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Turns out, I, I, from what I understood, Junior was pulled over. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, so he didn't, he didn't make it. And, and, and because of that, I got, that was my first, my first recorded solo on a on a real record, 
<laughs> and it was it was because uh, Junior couldn't make it. Boy, some legendary figures, though. Yeah, Lucky Peterson was on that record, and um, gosh, it was it was it was so much when we recorded at Chicago Recording Company. So it was like you know, big studio in Chicago, and that was really my my first real record date. Talk a little bit more about about your your discography, if we can, here when we come back with Steve Cole. On my first concert, uh, I want to thank the folks over at um, AquariusHomeServices.com for letting us do it from the AquariusHomeServices.com studios, too. And I know you need unbeatable home comfort in the winter, in the summer, in the fall, in the spring. So Aquarius Home Services has a fresh fall blowout sale going on as we speak. They have an amazing 25% discount on a complete whole home heating and cooling system or a whole home Connecticut water treatment system. Whether it's uh, upgrading your old furnace and your air conditioner, which I've done with these guys before, by the way, they'll have a solution. And if you're toying with uh, the idea of upgrading your heating and cooling system and the whole home water situation, do it. And I know you'll see headlines in the paper about water and what's in the water and your drinking water, this and that. They're well aware of all that stuff. They can remove all those contaminants out of there. And that's when you think about what you're doing with home improvements, water probably is the first place to start. So grab this one-time offer before our uh, relentless winter decides to show its face around here. But I wouldn't miss out on this opportunity for the ultimate home upgrade and substantial 25% off savings. Aquarius really does believe in earning the right to be recommended. And they are just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. I've been I've known Jeff since he started that company over two decades ago, and you're going to be impressed. And it's it's fun to talk about them because I know know them and use them. So I've been a patron for a long time. Uh, Steve Cole is with us. Uh, Steve, let's talk about. So you get to uh, you're signed by Atlantic Records, this, and I'm curious about this as a performer. So you have some number one hits, mm-hmm. but you, uh, titles of songs like "Got It Going On" or whatever. Can you kind of take us through that process of, of coming up with your titles? <laughs> you sure? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> All right, so so here's the deal. I mean, instrumental music is difficult to title because, I mean, oftentimes titles have something to do with the lyrics, right? It, <laughs> they have something to do with the story that's being yeah. told in the song, you know? Uh, and uh, so, honestly, some the, the way I write music sometimes... I, I will think of melodies based upon words that come to my mind, right? You know, like just the just the kind of rhythm of of the language, um, or or the, or the rhythm of the of the song will suggest, you know, some lyrics, right? And and that makes it easy. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, it's pretty freaking random. Uh, <laughs> You know, I, I mean, I, I sometimes it's like, you know, I get a vibe from this, and and it and it and it'll be like, yeah, you know, like, uh, um, like for instance, I, I wrote a song called Justice, and it was it was after uh, all the events preceding and 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 after uh, uh, the the murder of George Floyd and all of the the social kind of. Uh, awareness that was that was being brought to very stark relief and and it was a song that I wrote during that time I didn't write it necessarily for or about that it just came out because all of those feelings and all of that awareness and everything just washed over me and it just obviously kind of came out in the music right so that made sense um 
you know, I, I, I wrote a song, you know, for my wife called She's the One. And, you know, after writing it, it kind of really reminded me of her. I didn't write it for her. Like, if anyone asked me, like, write me a song about it, I'd be like, I can't do that. Right. <laughs> um, but other times it's just like, I don't know, what, what are we going to call this? And sometimes it's really hard. And sometimes I'll literally, like, just start flipping through iTunes looking for cool song titles. <laughs> Be like, well, that'll work. <laughs> that sounds cool. Let's use that. Okay. I'm not kidding. I mean, it's like, so sometimes it's very meaningful. Sometimes it's just, you know, come, pops into your mind just because yeah. the rhythm suggests, a, you know, and then sometimes it's just like, help me. <laughs> I don't know. Among the, among the concerts you've done, is there a most memorable? You know... I have to say, you know, it, it, it's it's very best of times, worst of times, right? Um, the concert that always sticks in my mind as the most memorable was the first time I played at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, it is kind of one of those rites of passage kind of things, like, you know, playing at the Hollywood Bowl. I must not suck, you know? Um, and... Um, or not, but yeah. you know, but it's it's kind of a, a revered venue. It's one of those things where you know the first time it ever happens, you're like, I can't believe this is happening. This is like I don't play. People like me don't play here, you know. Superstars play here, you know. Geniuses play here. I don't play here. <laughs> this is not for me. So you're going in not feeling worthy. Not at all, you know. But. It, there's a reverence for it just because of all the music that's been made in that space. And uh, you go into it with a lot of humility, but also a lot of excitement and, and frankly, some high expectations that it's going to be life-changing. The, the, the fact of the matter <laughs> is that, you know, it, 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 all of that is true. And it's very, it's a very well-oiled machine there, especially uh, I played there twice, once for the JVC Jazz Festival, once with the uh, Playboy Jazz Festival. And both of those uh, events are extraordinarily well-run. It is like a, a Swiss watch, right? The stage turns, okay? So you, while one band is playing out to the audience, the, behind it, the other band is setting up. And so when when they're done, the stage turns and you start playing and like there you are from backstage, you start to see 17,000 people start to emerge in front of you. Now, sound check was one thing. There was nobody there. So it was just the sheer scale of this amazing venue. People are there. And the other thing is, is like you have a time frame. There's no going over that time. If you're in the middle of a song, the stage is going to start to turn. Oh, wow. So. Like going too long with an acceptance speech at the Oscars. Oh, yeah, Oscars it's, it's, like the, it's like the, you know, like the, the hook comes <laughs> yeah, out, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, where they start playing music and you're, yeah. Uh, so the stage turns around and I walk out onto the stage. First of all, again, it was like, holy crap, the size of this thing. It's, it's amazing. And then there's this long catwalk that goes out kind of, you know, and there's a little, a little kind of, you know, mini, a little stage at the end of it. Now, the thing that's funny is like in the front row, because, you know, you're, you're playing and there's a big spotlight in your eye. And so all you can see are like the first four rows. 
Well, the first four rows at the Hollywood Bowl are seated, and there's table service. It's like a restaurant. Hmm. And then there's the other 17,000 people up, you know, up, yeah. the, up the hill. Now, the people who are in the first rows, they're the VIPs, and most of them are in the music business. People in the music business don't listen to music. <laughs> yeah. They don't care about you. Yeah. All they care about is like the wine they're getting, the cheese that they're ordering, and the person that they're trying to get noticed by in that pit of VIPs. So what you really experience at the Hollywood Bowl is this rush of energy, this amazing venue, and then the peop only people you can see have no interest in you at all. <laughs> So that that is you know and 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 the only way that you can really get into the audience to go down that catwalk and, and into you know past the VIP and uh, but then you're like fifty feet away from the band <laughs> you know so it's like I don't know it was it was it was very bizarre very memorable never forget it but it was like a whole bunch like like most things in this in this business it was a whole lot of everything you know wow. it was uh it was very uh very i don't know polarized is there a place you finished the performance and said i need to go back here again and always the dakota <laughs> 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 always the dakota and i mean i i i it's not just cuz i live here now it's just it probably is my favorite venue to play it's 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 of course it's you know in the hometown but it's a phenomenal venue audiences are always just so amazing um cocktails are fabulous <laughs> i often wondered about that venue because we go a fair amount yeah we're, we're just there to see uh the uh, motown tribute uh-huh um uh, that they did which was fabulous in fact i knew one of the horn players in that but i i've often wondered okay it's nice, and I like sitting in that balcony. Yeah. But wherever you sit, it's pretty good sound. I've sat all over the place, and I've often been curious, a performer's perspective of the Dakota. So you like it. I love it. I mean, they, they take such great care with the sound system. The reason it sounds good everywhere is because somebody thought about that. Yeah. Treated extraordinarily well. You know, from, from, from the stage, it's, a, it's just a wonderful intimate you know way to to perform um in in front of people who truly appreciate they it they want to be there and there's just not very many places like that around the country i mean there's you know there's scholars in boston and the regatta bar if it's still i haven't, I haven't played there in years but scholars we've played all the time and in the in blues alley in dc is one of those great clubs and in jazz alley in seattle but i mean it's not like you can go all around the country and find one of those places in every major city. It just, it's rare, you know? So I, I don't know if it's just because it's near and dear to me or that I can actually, you know, go home and sleep in my own bed after yeah. a show there, but it's a, it's a wonderful place to play. That's really good to hear. I mean, it, yeah, I've often, we sit there and watch and, and always, I've never seen a show there I haven't liked. I yeah. don't think, and maybe it's just that atmosphere mm -hmm. makes uh, a big difference, obviously. So you go to school, Northwestern. Uh, yes, I, I did go there at one I, point in time. Yeah. But didn't didn't you major in economics? <laughs> I did. I mean, <laughs> I did. Oh, my God. You know, it's so funny because I'm, I'm a. I'm did a, your dad say to you, like he said to me, what good is that degree? 
<laughs> well, you know, it was weird because my dad was a musician, and and you know, yeah. and and so it it was even more powerful when he was like, and you know, th- these things always happen at Thanksgiving. You know, you're like gung ho, you go to school, and you come home for Thanksgiving, and they talking yeah. about, oh man, I'm doing this, and you know, this, you know, I, I'm studying with. Uh, 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 you know, this professor who uh, brought in, you know, Ravi Shankar to play the you know, Indian music, and it was he's famous, and and my dad's like, <clears throat> so uh, great. Uh, so what kind of jobs are you thinking about? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not thinking about that. I'm like experiencing the world here. I'm in a great institution. I'm getting exposed to all this wonderful stuff. He's like, okay, great. And so job then? <laughs> and, you know, he kind of freaked me out. So, sure. you know, I I, I I was in the music school for another year and a half. And then, you know, I'm like going to be a junior. And it's like, okay, I should probably start thinking about what do I want to do? It's like, well, do I want to teach? And the funny thing is, you know. <laughs> Now you're I, teaching. I, I said, no, I don't want to do that crap. <laughs> um, but I was studying classical music. And anyway, I freaked out and I, you know, was taking an economics class as part of, you know, all the liberal arts stuff that you got to do. And I'm like, yeah, people get jobs in this whole thing. <laughs> and uh, and I switched, like, I, I literally, it was just like some stupid thing you do as a kid, you know, like yeah. I can change my major and they let you do that. So yeah, I got a degree in economics. I went to work for a consulting firm, and then I went to work for a big, you know, Fortune 500 company in strategy development. And hey, it was like, oh god, what is this thing that I'm doing? Like, what? Is, I don't know what this is. Like, I feel like I'm just like everybody else, you know, putting on a tie, getting on a plane. Ew. So. Yeah, I couldn't do that for very long. So I did what any, you know, respectable, you know, young professional would do. I I quit my job to go to grad school. <laughs> in business. I'm I'm like I'm like I don't like doing this, so why don't I get another an advanced degree in it, you know? <laughs> so, you know, but luckily, you know, going to school, back to school full time, I I got I got my head straight. Um I had some very uh, fortuitous, uh, you know, kind of relationships that I developed um, in music um, and got back on that path. So I actually graduated with an MBA and didn't go and get an MBA job. I became a musician. <laughs> I had to go to I had to go to get an MBA to figure out how to be a musician. But as you said, there's a certain irony there because now you're teaching at the University of Saint Thomas. Yes, are you loving it? I love it. It's fantastic. And, and you they, lecture around the country still? Do you go? Do you lecture and do a little I, bit of that? Yeah, I do. I do some guest speaking at, at different colleges and universities um, and conferences and things like that. But you know, the funny thing is that how I started teaching was um, so I, I I make a few records with Atlantic, and then I get I got traded over to Warner Brothers, and I made a record with Warner Brothers, and then I got dropped. Like the whole jazz division just went away. Wow, and. I was like, okay, I've had a good run, you know. Uh, I've had, you know, several records. I've toured around. Number one hits. And, uh, you know, and I, I I still have credentials. Like, I have I have an MBA. I have experience in the music industry. And I had been, you know, speaking at different colleges while I was on the road about just kind of like the business of music. And I'm like, maybe I should, you know, look at teaching in a music industry program and uh, ended up realizing that there was a lot of demand for that. Um, interviewed several places around the country 
uh, was offered a position at Columbia College in Chicago um, and, you know, was invited to join the faculty and as a full-time and signed my contract. And then I got signed to Blue Note. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought it was such a long shot. It was... I thought, you know, there's this, you know, because I like, I'm off of, you know, I'm, and, 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 you know, this is the oh, clear channel is, 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 is dropping stations around the country in the format. I'm like, I'm never going to get another record deal doing this. And then I got signed again. So it was, I'm like, holy crap, I have a, I've, I now have another record deal and I have this job. Um, but the cool thing is that those two things work really great together because, you know, the, the university was really, you know, thought it was cool yep. that, that I was doing this and that I could bring that back into the classroom for the benefit of the students. And Oh, the students have to love it. You know, and, and for me, it's like, you know, it kept me on my toes, kept me accountable, um, always kept me learning and paying attention. And how'd you end up at St. Thomas? Oh, I followed a girl in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> and... But she didn't want to go see Lionel Richie. No, no, no. But she does like Lionel Richie. So, yeah, I, I'm not a girl. I chased her back here. Um, and uh, and luckily, I was able to kind of reinvent myself in the Twin Cities. Um, yeah, and, very well. Uh, you know, it was just a whole lot of things coming together in the right way at the right time, which is not my experience but (laughs) but it was in the stars so you know we've been we've been married now for 12 years and i've been at uh saint thomas for over a decade now and it's absolutely the best move i ever made yeah and the campus on both on both fronts first getting married yes and also footnote small print you know Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Got it. Roger that. You got it. Totally well, needs to be in the proper order. <laughs> but yeah, but St. Thomas again, they just keep getting bigger and uh Yeah, we we we've, we've just expanding. built a, an incredible new uh building that's going to house television studios, recording studios, performance spaces, engineering facilities. Um our department, the music department is, has has morphed into a larger media department so we're now called the department of music film and creative enterprise Mm. so we're contemplating music we're contemplating film we're contemplating the the business of music and film and media um so it's it's an exciting place to be did you play film music at all did you have to do any of that i i played a lot of um music for um radio and television advertising chicago was a mecca for that yes, when i was yeah, there yeah. i haven't done a lot of, i've done some television shows but i've actually never played a film score um that's just something that didn't really happen much that was mostly you know kind of la new york mm-hmm. um but lots of lots of commercials and and lots of television shows when we come back i want you to think about this i want you to uh you're going to set up a concert whether it be the Hollywood Bowl or wherever you wanted it um, to be, the Dakota, but you got to bring in three acts. Three acts. Yeah, and who would they be? I want oh. you to think about that. Okay. You know, dead or alive. Dead or alive. Oh my God. Yeah. So there you go. That'll be. You worked with a lot of people, so I don't want. But among the three acts, but I want you to think about that because I'm anxious to hear what you think of mm-hmm. uh, who you'd have up there. Right. Uh, by the way, speaking of stages and entertainers out at the Chanhassen Dinner Theater right now, Michael Brindisi has put together a beautiful uh, version 
uh, of the Four Seasons story, speaking of music. And that's the Jersey Boys. You've heard about it. The, the cool thing, and I, I mention this every time about Michael, the artistic director, is that he grew up in Philadelphia, and he would be one of those guys down in that street lamp in the shadows of it singing the a cappella stuff. And now he gets to produce this, and he's done a lot. He's you know performed himself on Broadway and other places, but we've got him here in Minnesota, and they do a wonderful job. But this one is getting reviews like crazy, and I've not heard one negative or even moderate thing about it. People love it. And that's that's how they do shows out there. So I would say get out there before this run is over to see Jersey Boys because it's got a special flair with Michael's background. And, of course, it's a great story about the Four Seasons, and it's a very poignant story as well. But also they're doing in, in this, in the you know, just talking with Steve here about the small concert venues, they have a beautiful little venue there for their uh, shows, for their music shows. And they're doing a lot of music in there right now. I could tell you they're doing a tribute to U2. They got the Joe Cocker one coming up. This taking it to the limit, this tribute to the Eagles. You've probably heard about it. People rave about that. That's coming up here in September. Uh, I mean, but it's all over the map. Music of Patsy Cline, Lori Dawkins out there performing. Uh, here Comes the Sun. Uh, uh, salute to the music of Prince. There's a time, and we talked about it on one of these podcasts, when Prince was at the Chan Hassan, one of the music shows, watching it when Mick Sterling was performing and went up on stage while Mick was looking down on the stage with his eyes closed playing his guitar, and all of a sudden Prince grabs a guitar and starts playing on stage. It's just a beautiful sound. So if you get a chance, go to ChanHassanDT.com and book those tickets. Plenty of things going on during the week, during the weekend, whatever you'd want. Steve Cole's good enough to join us here on my first concert. All right, Steve, now... Um, You've had a chance to play with people. You perform with all sorts of people. You're still performing. You've had number one hits. You've accomplished a lot, but now you're the promoter. Now you've got to put three people or three groups or whoever it is up on stage. Mm. Who would it be? Gosh. This is a very, very difficult question, so I'm just going to free associate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, just, I, I guess I have to go back to, like, the, the person that pops in my mind that I always – want to see and who whose music is just so amazing and transformative is james james taylor so james taylor would definitely be one that you know if i if i if it was my you know my thing it'd be like james taylor um so this is going to get a little bit eclectic i'm a huge uh gospel music fan um growing up in chicago um i i was um able to play um in 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 churches um, and, uh, you know, places that I, I, I would never have gone or had the opportunity to go had I not been a musician. Right. Um, and, uh, my, my friend, Michael Manson and his wife, Lana, um, wrote some of the most beautiful and just emotional music. Um, it's, you know, it's contemporary gospel music is a you know, it's a combination of jazz and R&B and soul music, and it's just so amazing. So I think that- it's popular the, right now. Oh, my God. And, and it's just, I don't know. You know, it's 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 not the tradition that I grew up in, but it's always just been so moving for me just musically. So I, I would say the Winans would be uh, someone that I, I, would, I would like to see. And then um, I think that I would, I would also- I'd like to uh, I'd like to talk to Cannonball Adderley. I oh, think yeah. Cannonball would I be, you know, um, so the kind of the three kinds of music that I I really 
think about his kind of go-tos are, are, are jazz, you know, soul, music, gospel, you know, and uh, and then, of course, James Taylor that, you know, kind of transcends and yeah. has elements of all that fabulous stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's what comes to mind on a, you know. Now you'll drive away and going, I should have said. No, I of course said, yeah. I will. <laughs> and then I'll be like, you know, because, you know, so here's the, here's, the, here's the anxiety of that question. Because on one hand, you want to be honest. And on the other hand, you're like, people are not going to think I'm cool if I say the wrong people. They're going to be like, of all the people in the world, you picked what? Oh, yeah. Nickelback? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, it, it it's a it's a it's a tough question. It's a tough one. Yeah, Davide, I've never asked you that, have I? My three bands. Oh wow! His first band he saw was Elton John and in, in Basel. So yeah, see, I should have said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, if I could bring the dead back, I think I would want to see Jimi Hendrix for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, then it has to be. Pink Floyd, 1973, though. I want all the originals in there. Um, And lastly, yeah, you too, I guess, (laughs) that I've seen so many times. I gave you plenty of room to say Steve Cole. (laughs) And of course, That's not going to be in anybody's top three wish list. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> Steve, really appreciate your time. Congrats and everything, obviously. And I mean, you're still doing all of these things and keeping busy, but we're glad to have you here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And f- I would tell folks, if they want to hear you perform, yeah, what can they do? Well, they can, they can, uh, well, um, you know, all of the music services, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Tidal, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Amazon, you can go to my website. It's stevecole.net. Um, social media, um, have a new record coming out. As a matter of fact, today, the day that we're taping this, is the first day of my first single from my new album. No kidding. It's, awesome. Yeah, you can stream that today. It's What'd called, you title it? Uh, it's called Come On, Y'all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the name of the album is Without a Doubt. So, yeah, you know, tour dates, new uh, releases, all kind of fun stuff. Yeah, you're you're busy. Musician, writer, producer, educator, lecturer, on and on the list goes. Uh, he is Steve Cole. He's been our guest today on my first concert. Davide, thank you as always. I want to thank you for everybody. It was my pleasure. Who made it possible today, of course, the Minnesota Propane Association, You Care, by Aquarius Home Services, by Chan Hessen Dinner Theaters, and our friends at Starbank.net. You can download this on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your downloads. You can also uh, go to talknorth.com. we got plenty of podcast there uh, on as well. In the meantime, we're back next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.